0: In America, politics and business are two separate worlds. Politicians make laws, CEOs make profits. But now, that's all changing.
1: a fast track to climate disaster. Major cities underwater, unprecedented heat waves, terrifying storms, widespread water shortages, the extinction of a million species of plants and animals, and this is not fiction or exaggeration. It is what science tells us will result from our current
2: energy policies. We need four and a half trillion dollars per year to make this transition, and that can only come by unlocking private access to private
3: capital. I ran for president because I believe we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. And the simple truth is our soul will be troubled as long as systemic racism is allowed to persist.
0: A movement has been growing to unite corporations, governments, and global institutions. Its purpose is to deal with issues like climate change, racism, inequality and gun control. It is called ESG. You have to bring capitalism to the task. Charity
4: can't do it, governments can't do it. You have to bring innovation, the capital, the experience in, in public-private partnerships along with all those players. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening.
3: The future is built by us. By a powerful community as you here in room, we have the means to improve the states of world.
5: It's now becoming increasingly difficult to tell where the private sector ends and the government begins.
0: We're seeing a merger of the two. What is ESG? How does it work? And how will it change our lives?
6: This is a massive campaign that has already metastasized to almost all of the corporate world.
0: With Wall Street at its center, the ESG movement includes the world's largest banks, investment managers, pension funds and insurance companies, as well as international organizations like the World Economic Forum. The ESG industry has reached a massive $55 trillion in assets and is projected to grow to nearly $100 trillion by 2025. More than 500 of the world's largest corporations in industries like finance, tech and media have signed pledges to support this
7: movement. Behaviors are going to have to change and this is one thing we're we're asking companies. You have to force behaviors and at BlackRock we are forcing behaviors.
0: Will this movement succeed in turning corporations into agents of morality and social change? Are we bending Wall Street to our will, or are we the ones who will be manipulated?
8: If you can control the financial markets, if you can control the access to capital, you can dictate to any industry in the United States the way things are going to be run. They have a terrifying level of control over individual people and what
0: they can do. Will we, as customers and shareholders, be in control of banks and tech companies? Or are we giving them the power to control us?
9: If your truck is being used in these protests, your corporate accounts will be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. The consequences are real and they will bite.
0: Will governments and corporations decide what we can say?
10: It shouldn't come as any surprise that we're in regular touch with social media platforms, just like we're in regular touch with all of you and your media outlets about uh, areas where we have concern. So we're regularly making sure social media platforms are aware of the latest narratives, dangerous to public health.
11: Now, of course, you've had the actual suppression and censorship
6: of uh, stories that the big tech companies
12: for political reasons don't like. They don't have a problem with hate speech. They just hate speech. They hate free speech. They don't want people to disagree with them. Will they decide what we buy, how we travel, what we eat? 24% of the emissions are
13: agriculture and meat related emissions. You know, I fund things like impossible foods beyond meat. Can you tell it's artificial meat or not? If you can tell, we're in big trouble. The Netherlands is one of the breadbaskets of Europe and so what's happening there cutting back fertilizer use significantly is going to bankrupt tons of small farmers to concentrate uh, power in large conglomerates but also radically reduce the amount of food that's created.
0: Have corporations become an enforcement arm of government doing what the government cannot
1: legally do? Government is able to use those companies to do through the back door what government could not accomplish through the front door under the Constitution. Because we have this pesky thing in this country called the First Amendment that says if you're the government, you can't censor speech. Well, you know what? We'll be nicer to these companies if they censor the content that we don't want to see on the
5: Internet. The mainstream of American society recognizes that we're dealing with uh, something very dangerous here. They they may not understand all the intricacies of how it works, who's involved, and what the end goal is, but they recognize something's very wrong here.
3: We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin.
0: ESG was created to bring corporations together and make them part of a global movement to create a better world. But what is it? That depends who you ask.
10: ESG is actually really simple. All you need to think of it is environmental. How do companies treat the planet? Social, how do companies treat people? Governance, how are companies being run? If you're at all interested in climate change, equal pay for men and women, or bribery and corruption at companies, or modern slavery, then ESG investing is for you, because it encompasses all of those things.
9: Fundamentally, ESG and sustainability, in simplest terms, means creating the future we want.
7: It's a framework for assessing risk.
2: The sustainability revolution is the single largest business and investing opportunity in the entire
13: history of the world. ESG. Real or marketing? It's a complete fraud. And we had about 448 different ESG-related company engagements with boards and executive management last year. Right. For us, it's much more of a risk mitigation tool.
10: It's a fraud because it's not better for shareholders, it's not better for stockholders. Look, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs both announced they're not going to do lending in the Arctic for drilling. I mean, how is that better for the shareholders of Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan?
0: The ESG industry has tripled in size over the past eight years growing from $19 trillion in assets in 2014 to $55 trillion today. By 2025, ESG investments are projected to grow to more than half of all global assets under management. Who are the players in this system? ESG activists include the world's largest asset managers, who together control more than $20 trillion in investments. It includes America's largest public pension funds. It includes the world's largest banks. It includes global clubs of CEOs and political leaders, like the World Economic Forum. And it includes a host of other activists' finance clubs such as Climate Action 100 Plus, the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, and the Net Zero Asset Management Initiative. Companies who join these clubs sign pledges to use their corporate power to reduce fossil fuel production in favor of things like wind and solar energy and electric cars. It
1: means a large group of asset managers have taken these factors into account when deciding how to invest their money, but not just how to invest their money, but when they invest their money in companies, what principles they have to use as a shareholder to advocate for policies in corporate America's boardrooms. It means that a company like Apple has to vote on whether or not it's going to adopt a racial equity audit proposal at its company. As it did earlier
7: this year, it passed with majority shareholder support including the support of BlackRock. So As You Sow is a nonprofit, and we engage companies. We engage companies on issues including climate change, racial justice, ocean plastics, antibiotics and meat, pesticides, all, all kinds of different issues. And what we do is we sit down with companies, we bring them a lot of research and we try to help them identify material risk and help them to address it. So most of the time they say thank you, you guys are like McKinsey for free, and they go off to reduce risk. Sometimes the companies don't want to make any changes, so we escalate by filing what are called shareholder resolutions. So in 2022, we had 196 engagements, and of those, about half of the companies said, thank you, let's go get to work. 99 did not, and so we filed 99 resolutions. Of those, about half, once we filed it, said, you know, we really don't want all our shareholders to be thinking and talking about this let's go get to work so we had about 50 resolutions that were voted on and of those we had ten majority votes and about two trillion dollars worth of shares were voted yes on our resolutions
0: the goals of ESG include disinvestment in fossil fuels cutting pollution from farming reducing the use of gas-powered cars subsidizing wind solar and electric cars fighting for social justice, racial and gender equity, DEI training, diversifying corporate boards by race and gender, taking a stand on abortion, gun control, voting laws and transgender rights. The World Economic Forum is perhaps the most prominent of the many global clubs that back the ESG movement. It brings corporate executives and politicians together once a year in Switzerland to agree how they will cooperate for common goals. Its founder and leader is a man named Klaus Schwab.
3: World Economic Forum at the moment is mobilizing all its communities, um, also in preparation of our annual meeting in uh, 21. Uh, related to the definition and design of policies which we have to follow in the post-corona era. Uh, we all know we need uh, to make the world more uh, resilient, more um, inclusive and more sustainable. So the stakeholder concept and particularly the ESGs are a very important part of getting uh,
0: business involved. Who are the members of the World Economic Forum? According to their website, 100 of the world's largest corporations have signed on as strategic partners. This includes the most dominant companies in banking and insurance, credit cards, energy, food, technology, heavy industry, manufacturing, pharmaceuticals, consulting, and consumer goods. Other strategic partners include George Soros's Open Society Foundations and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all working together to promote ESG.
4: Our research shows that companies that do well on ESG are end up doing better or fail less. But the most important thing, it aligns capital capitalism. It defines capitalism the way that people want to define it, which is stakeholder capitalism in solving the big problems of the world.
0: What is stakeholder capitalism? In 2019, the Business Roundtable, a club that includes most of America's largest corporations, declared that their role would no longer be just serving the owners of the company. From now on, CEOs would take on a moral role and a political
7: role as well. In January of 2020, the World Economic Forum basically came out with exactly the same thing the Business Roundtable had. They just called it something different. They called it a manifesto and announced that this is the fourth industrial age, that the changes that are happening right now, the shift to stakeholder capitalism is as important and on the scale of the shift to the industrial revolution, that this is a major shift where all the companies are moving toward a regenerative economy that's based on justice and sustainability. The companies who actually make that transition will be the ones who succeed and therefore the ones you want to put your money into. And we're trying to help all these companies. Really, it's through it's through a birth process of a whole new economy.
0: From now on, companies will focus on achieving ESG goals. How do we know how well they're doing in this? Well, a number of rating agencies have stepped up to give ESG ratings, and not only to companies, but also to countries and even to U.S. states. ESG ratings let investors know who is ESG compliant and who isn't. And for those who get a bad ESG rating, the agencies have ESG consultants who, for a fee, will help get those ESG scores up where they should be. So this is the plan. Get companies on board, get them in line with the agenda, and together we solve the problems of climate change, inequality, racism, and gun violence. How do we know ESG is the way to go? Simple, because we're all going there. And yet, Despite all the best intentions of the ESG industry, there are dissonant voices who say they're concerned.
5: In a free market system, corporations, companies, business entities, uh, their sole purpose is supposed to be to uh, make money for their shareholders, forces companies to go out and figure out how they can serve their fellow human being, whether that be growing food, cooking food, uh, producing goods and services that you want to buy. Well, fascism takes that idea and it allows you to keep the private ownership component in a way, but it also hijacks the purpose of the company away from making profit, away from serving the consumer, and toward government-approved goals. And that's what we're seeing with the ESG. Uh, ESG uh, are these nebulous concepts of environmental benefits and social benefits and uh, governance, etc. cetera. Uh, these are goals that are set by governments and policymakers primarily.
0: How does this system work? Let's start at the top. Global organizations set the agenda. Then, they coordinate the work of governments and corporations to achieve the goals. All of the ESG initiatives are in line with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. The World Economic Forum and the UN signed a strategic partnership in 2019 to advance the UN SDGs. To
4: solve these huge problems that the world faces this is UN week and the SDGs are the statement of the world of what we'd like to make progress on.
0: The UN SDGs include worthy goals like ending poverty and hunger and promoting health and education. They also include cutting fossil fuels, investing in wind and solar energy, achieving racial and economic equity worldwide, and gun control. Wall Street companies work to make the UN SDGs a reality throughout the economy, promoting them as a way to increase the value of investments while achieving social and environmental goals. In short, doing well by doing good.
9: While measuring the
14: alignment of investments to the UN SDGs is a complex and evolving task, we believe that their integration in investment decisions can help secure long-term financial performance. Redirecting capital towards UN SDGs could offer 12 trillion dollars of market opportunity linked to our long-term social and environmental well-being.
1: The people who control the flow of capital ultimately direct the flow of capital into every industry and SHAPE THE BEHAVIOR OF EVERY INDUSTRY. BECAUSE, YOU KNOW WHAT, BLACKROCK AND STATE STREET AND VANGUARD, THESE ARE JUST THREE FIRMS. IT'S ACTUALLY A MUCH BIGGER LIST THAN THAT, BUT JUST THOSE TOP THREE CONTROL ABOUT $21 TRILLION. THAT'S ABOUT THE SIZE OF THE U.S. GDP. So I THINK they, THEY'RE the, AMONG THE LARGEST SHAREHOLDERS OF NEARLY EVERY COMPANY IN THE S&P 500. 20 TO 30 PERCENT OF THE VOTING POWER OF MANY OF THE LARGE COMPANIES IN THIS COUNTRY ARE WIELDED BY THE HANDS OF THOSE THREE FIRMS. SO IF YOU HAVE THE GOLD, YOU MAKE THE RULES. THE PEOPLE WHO CONTROL THE FLOW OF CAPITAL control the flow of values in the marketplace of ideas in corporate America.
8: The way that uh, these fund managers use ESG to push progressive politics is multifaceted. The first and probably the most public is that they get to vote the shares that they're managing. The more quiet, sort of less public way is that they have what they call engagement meetings with corporate leadership on these issues. And when they show up, they don't say, hey, we're just representing ourselves. They say we represent ownership of seven and a half, 10, 20% of, the, of your publicly traded shares. BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard put together would be the largest single shareholder in 90% of the S&P 500. So when your largest shareholder calls you and says, hey, I want a meeting and I've got some things I want you to be concerned about and focus on, you have to listen.
0: To encourage the behavior that he wants to see, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink sends an annual letter to CEOs that sets the agenda for the coming year and lets them know the issues they should focus on.
15: Well, if you read his annual letter to CEOs, Larry Fink actually thinks he needs to tell the world CEOs every year what BlackRock thinks, so they know what to do. They don't, he doesn't have to go around and go to every shareholder meeting. He just tells them what to do in a letter. And the letter the year before last said that we need to get to net zero carbon emissions by 2050 which will require a transformation of the entire economy. I I don't remember voting for Larry Fink to transform the entire economy. I, I, I don't want him to transform the entire economy. We have the greatest economy in the history of the world.
0: In addition to the world's largest asset managers, America's largest state pension funds, based in states like California and New York, have used the public pension money that they control to drive the ESG agenda. The ESG movement has created its own vested interests, giving rise to an entire industry on Wall Street for tracking, measuring, rating, and profiting from ESG. This includes rating agencies, consultants, accountants, proxy agents, and investment managers. For investment managers, the ESG movement has been especially lucrative. It allows them to charge higher fees because ESG funds are actively managed.
1: Large Wall Street banks are not charitable institutions. They expect something in return for that. And then you look at which firms are rewarded with government packages, like who gets the COVID-19 stimulus packages. A lot of that flowed through BlackRock. What we're seeing
15: is a, a new revolving door in Washington. We're seeing uh, liberal activists whether they're in the administration or on Capitol Hill instead of leaving those positions and going to K Street to become lobbyists in Washington what we're seeing now is they're going to Wall Street and they're using the enormous influence that these Wall Street firms have to really drive policy um, at the state
8: and local level in a way they haven't done before Brian Dees, who's head of uh, national economic policy for Uh, the Biden administration, he's straight out of BlackRock, and you have Tom Donilon, who's now been put in charge of a significant portion of our foreign policy vis-a-vis China, and again he comes right out of BlackRock, and as you go down the line, I mean, the Biden administration uh, has been heavily staffed by BlackRock alums, and in some cases, uh, it's even scary some of the issues that they handled when they were at BlackRock. Tom Donilon, for example, recommended to clients while he was there that that they triple their exposure to China, and now. He's in charge of a portion of the Biden administration's foreign policy vis-a-vis China.
0: The Biden administration has been a strong advocate of the ESG agenda. Since Joe Biden assumed office, his administration has systematically altered the mission of virtually every federal agency toward the pursuit of environmental and racial goals. The U.S. Federal Reserve whose official mission is to fight inflation and keep unemployment low, has declared climate change and racial justice to be among its top priorities. The Fed's San Francisco office issued a statement that racial equity is central to the Fed's mission. The U.S. Treasury Department, whose official mission is to maintain a strong economy has established a new racial equity committee and its newly appointed vice chair vowed to make racial equity central to the treasury department's mission the u.s department of justice has also taken on a political role announcing in may that it would focus on climate justice The Environmental Protection Agency attempted to dictate a national energy policy by forcing utilities to switch from fossil fuels to wind and solar, a move that was struck down by the Supreme Court as unconstitutional. The Department of Labor instituted a new rule under the Biden administration which allows private pension funds to invest on ideological grounds, rather than purely for economic returns. The Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, a bank regulator, instituted a rule under the Biden administration that gives banks the right to discriminate against entire industries for ideological reasons. And the Securities and Exchange Commission, an agency set up to protect small investors from securities fraud, announced new climate accounting standards for all listed companies.
8: The new SEC rule for quote-unquote climate disclosures is probably one of the most terrifying pieces of regulation to come out of the SEC in its entirety of its existence. Um, there's sort of three portions to it, it's called Scope 1, 2, 3. The idea is that at each scope you're talking about how much emissions, carbon emissions are coming out of, of that certain activities. Scope 1, pretty straightforward, it's the company's own emissions when they make a product. Scope 2 asks them to account for the carbon emissions of their vendors that go into the making of the product. So, for example, if you're a car manufacturer, you have to go and collect all the carbon emissions for all of your providers. Well, here's what's particularly horrifying about that. Those companies themselves may not be publicly traded. And yet through this rule, they're going to go force people to go force their vendors to adhere to this. And then scope three is somehow even worse. Scope three is climate disclosures or carbon emissions disclosures around the consumer's use of the product. Scope three means there's going to be a huge incentive to start tracking the behaviors of consumers, putting literal trackers on
0: the products. Personal social credit scores are taking hold in China where people's ability to travel, get jobs, or get into good schools is determined by their personal behavior. What they say or write, what websites they read, even how much time they spend playing video games. But could we ever have social credit scores for people here in the West? It seems fantastical to even contemplate that. And yet, technology is nearly there
11: we're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint what does that mean that's where are they traveling how are they traveling what are they eating what are they consuming on the platform so individual carbon footprint
15: tracker
5: if you want to work out your own carbon footprint you need to know the amount of greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide you're responsible for creating. It's a difficult thing to measure precisely, and there are different definitions about how best to calculate it. But roughly speaking, there's the direct impact of using energy when we travel or to power our homes, and there's the indirect impact of the energy that's used to create all the things we use or consume.
0: FICO, a company that calculates our personal credit scores, for things like home and auto loans predicts that ESG criteria will soon be a part of our personal credit scores. In this way, our personal carbon footprint could affect the rate at which we can get a bank loan, or even whether we can get a loan at all. Banks are becoming increasingly political to achieve the goal of racial equity Bank of America announced in September that it would provide mortgages to minority groups with no down payment required. An Australian bank recently took the lead in canceling loan programs for gasoline and diesel powered cars. A subsidiary of JPMorgan Chase was threatened with a boycott by Missouri's state treasurer for abruptly canceling payment services for a conservative political rally there. Gun control has been another area where banks have gotten political. It started under the Obama administration with a program called Operation Choke Point. Having failed to get Congress to pass his gun control agenda, President Obama arm-twisted banks to do what he legally could not do, Operation Chokepoint included threats from bank regulators against banks that lent to gun shops. Gun shops suddenly found their bank accounts terminated without cause or explanation. Operation Chokepoint was officially ended by the Trump administration in 2017, but banks continue to discriminate against these industries today.
4: We've seen that the major corporate banks Including Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, uh, Wells Fargo have uh, have all been uh, adopting discriminatory policies against the fire ministry. They want to uh, instill some of these policies that are well beyond uh, what federal and state law already dictates. So what we're seeing is uh, corporate governance instead of governance by our elected leaders.
0: Credit card companies have joined the fight. Visa. MasterCard, and American Express will now begin surveilling all sales from gun stores. This too was decided in an international forum.
10: Where there may be gun sales that are intended for black markets, where we see patterns of gun purchases being made in multiple uh, gun shops, and we could provide that information to the authorities to investigate. What we're talking
4: about really is the, the incorporation of a tracking code that's gonna be tracking your private purchases. So now they've created this merchant category code that if you go into a gun store and you purchase anything from that gun store and it looks like it may be something outside of the norm, then that information could be tur- turned over to the US Treasury's uh, Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. What we're talking about with this is a heavy-handed approach that's going to put people who are exercising their Second Amendment rights onto a government watch list, simply for exercising that right.
0: But perhaps the most glaring example of the power of government and bank collaboration occurred in February 2022, when private banks and insurance companies became the enforcement arm for the Canadian government, cracking down on trucker protests over pandemic restrictions, freezing the personal accounts of protesters and cutting off their insurance policies.
10: Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoking emergency powers against the truckers who are protesting vaccine mandates. Banks can now freeze their personal accounts, the accounts of anyone linked to the Freedom Convoy.
6: This is what the genius of the WEF is about is getting these massive asset managers and banks on your side, which is a way of threatening companies to abide. And they can withhold the cash, they can withhold investments, they can withhold loans. So the financial sector is absolutely central to this, without which this really would have no teeth.
8: What we are living through is a time of great upheaval. Firstly, because we are witnessing, and not just since this summer, but over the past few years, the end of what we might have seen as abundance. And for those who enjoyed it, it is also the end of a carefree time.
0: European leaders are once again passing decrees to flatten the curve. But this time, it's not for a pandemic. This time, it's to ration electricity in people's homes. And they are talking about not only a fuel shortage, but a food shortage as well.
14: What we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands. We will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours. And we will work very closely with the member states to achieve this.
3: With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. and uh, and it's going to be real.
0: Are world leaders correct? Are we now living in a time of a chronic decline in our living standards? Will the things that we once had in abundance become increasingly unaffordable?
13: Developing news on the sky-high cost of gasoline, the average price of a gallon of self-serve regular gasoline creeping up to a record high again this morning, topping the previous high set. June 14th.
7: Now they are skyrocketing again, about to hit a new record high. People are angry, frustrated.
0: While world leaders blame Russia, the root causes of this crisis go back well before the invasion of Ukraine.
3: Gas prices will remain very high and it also may result in some disruption.
0: We cannot magically get sort of uh, tens or
4: hundreds of, of gigawatts of renewable energy before winter. So it is a matter of saving energy. It's a matter of securing sources.
9: There should be uh, more
6: um, obligatory measures uh, to, reduce, uh, to reduce consumption.
5: I think the effect of this crisis will be that Europe will be further down the path to emissions reductions
8: than it would otherwise be. ESG is not an investment strategy. It's a disinvestment strategy. What ESG does is it goes to corporations and it tells them to get out of the business that they're actually in. For example, Exxon, pushing them out of the oil and gas discovery and recovery business, delivering reliable, affordable gasoline to American consumers and pushes them into ridiculous, uh, supposedly green energy products that don't have a high return on investment, don't work for the American consumer.
13: The nominees by Exxon of its board of directors were challenged by a small investment activist group called Engine Number One. Now, Engine Number One was backed by BlackRock, it was backed by State Street. It was backed by CalPERS and the the pension funds. Those three activist challengers were successfully elected to the board with BlackRock and State Street backing and assistance, brought in explicitly on a slate to move Exxon away from being a reliable energy producer, the king of uh, reliable energy producers, and instead wasted shareholders' money on technologies that aren't particularly clean, certainly aren't reliable, and certainly aren't yet anything like feasible.
0: Investment in America's oil and gas industry has been steadily declining as the United States systematically restricts the supply of capital and reduces its ability to produce fossil fuels. America's ability to refine oil has also experienced a dramatic decline in the past several years as refineries close across the U.S. American refining capacity has fallen by more than one million barrels per day since 2020. Part of the reason is overinvestment in energy production before the pandemic, which caused fossil fuel prices to plummet and pushed some oil companies into bankruptcy. But much of this decline stems from the fact that oil and gas producers know they are being phased out despite the growing demand for fossil fuels around the world. For people around the globe, the result is shortages of fuel where there had once been abundance. Can wind and solar energy fill the gap? Germany has taken the lead among Western nations in implementing climate-based restrictions on energy, banning fracking, investing heavily in wind and solar and shutting down nuclear plants. Germany is now facing critical energy shortages with plans to ration fuel and perhaps make choices whether to keep companies operating or heat people's homes this winter. Germans say it's because Russia cut off its energy exports. But across the globe, California has gone down this same path with similar results.
2: We've had increasing number of blackouts in California for the last two years, which is pretty terrible for such a rich, large economy like Californians to have blackouts at all. We should not be having power outages, and yet we are. And the reason is, is because we have spent so much money on weather-dependent renewable energy sources, mostly solar, That we didn't spend the money to maintain reliable power plants like natural gas and nuclear plants and in fact are trying to are seeking to shut down another nuclear plant so there's the idea has been that they would use this large wind farm off the central coast of california to replace diablo canyon nuclear plant but that's totally ridiculous because first of all it would only provide half the power total of, of diablo canyon But the other issue is that you can't replace a reliable source of energy with an unreliable one, with one that depends on the weather, on the wind or the sun. And the reason is, is that we saw it last summer. We had rolling blackouts in California because we didn't have enough energy, because we had shut down so many natural gas plants and nuclear plants. We saw it also in Texas. They had spent too much money on wind turbines, not enough on reliable energy sources. And they had power outages that actually killed people during the winter.
0: More recently, California took steps to ban the sale of gasoline-powered cars, while at the same time telling residents there was not enough electricity to charge their electric cars during the day. As critical as energy is in our daily lives, even more essential is food. One of the goals of the ESG movement is to transition farmers toward what they call regenerative agriculture. The push for regenerative agriculture comes from the UN Food and Agricultural Organization and the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. They stated that In order to reach the goal of net zero emissions by 2050, there must be deep reductions in agricultural emissions.
15: Over the past few years, Nestle has launched a series of pilot programs in over a dozen markets. All with the idea that by working closely with farmers such as David, emissions can be reduced at the source.
2: Before you scale things up, you have to actually go through a period of intense trial and error and piloting solutions. So this is where farms like these come in that are very close to our global research center and um, with farmers that are highly educated willing to explore new ways of uh, farming.
15: Nestle has
7: committed to investing $1.3 billion in regenerative agricultural programs over the next three years. It's a a way of of planting crops where you rotate your, your crops, you have cover crops. And what happens is that the soil actually, every time you harvest, gets richer and richer. And it also is able to hold water much better. So what happens is, When a climate-induced superstorm comes by, the regenerative ag farms are doing just fine. The other ones have lost all their soil.
0: Nestle, the world's largest food company, contracts with more than 500,000 farmers around the world. And Nestle is not alone in this effort. Other food giants, including Danone, Kellogg's, General Mills, and Unilever, are also active in this movement.
7: It took General Mills about two years. They worked with us, with our experts, and their experts, and in 2019 they signed a pledge that said that their entire supply chain they would only buy from farmers practicing regenerative ag.
0: Regenerative agriculture has yielded some very positive results. In some cases, a reduction in emissions, healthier soil, and lower use of fertilizers. While ESG goals apply to all areas of agriculture, the number one target is cattle farms. Because cows account for around 4% of all greenhouse gases, Gates has invested in two companies making plant-based meat substitutes, Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat. But farming the vegetables used to make many meat alternatives emits gases as well. So Gates is also backing a company that's created an entirely new food source.
13: This company, Nature Find, is using fungi, and so then they turn them into sausage and yogurt. Pretty amazing. Forget the turkey this year for Thanksgiving. How that insect protein? Jane Wells has that story. Hey, Jane.
10: Uh, Hey Carl, can I interest you in some mealy worms? Uh, Consider these gateway bugs. Barclays is estimating that insect protein will be an eight billion dollar market by 2030. Why? It takes so much less land and water to get the same amount of protein out of insects than it does from traditional animals. Plus, you get more fiber.
0: And in line with ESG farming goals, school kids in Australia are now learning to eat bugs. While the wealthy pour billions into meat substitutes, governments are doing their part to reduce animal farming around the world. Despite global food shortages and sharp increases in the cost of diesel fuel and fertilizer to farmers, some governments are pushing for even deeper cuts in emissions. In the past year, countries like the Netherlands Canada, New Zealand, and Sri Lanka have set regulations to sharply cut emissions and fertilizer use on farms. In some cases, pushing farmers to the brink. In May 2021, Sri Lanka took the lead in implementing UN goals, banning the import of chemical fertilizers altogether.
15: Because of uh, a cutback in natural gas, there's been a reduction in the production of synthetic fertilizers. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but I think what most people don't realize is there's about 7 billion people in the world today. And 3 to 3.5 billion of those people, according to the UN, depend on synthetic fertilizers to feed themselves and their families. It's a huge plus for humanity on Earth that we have these synthetic fertilizers and you can't make them without natural gas. In Sri Lanka, they adopted these green policies, they outlawed synthetic fertilizer, they said everything had to be organic. If you've been following the news, you know that resulted in massive starvation. I can tell you right now, if we continue on this path, and you've got two or three or three and a half billion people who can't feed themselves and then their families, this isn't going to end well.
7: So the idea that regenerative ag, that pesticide reduction leads to lower yields is incorrect. You look at the actual data; you actually get higher yields, and you also are are building a, a product that people want to eat and is not going to cause cancers. The thing, the reason that we're having these shortages is actually climate inflation. Why is my bread so expensive? It's because of climate inflation. Everything that we're buying now, it's so expensive, it's because there's there's reduced supply because of Droughts, wildfire, heat waves all the stuff that is really climate-induced.
0: In the United States, policies to cut farming emissions have been more subtle. The new Green Accounting Rule of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission requires that all listed companies report the emissions not only of their own companies, but also of their suppliers and their customers. A report by the American Farm Bureau on the SEC Green Accounting Rule states that, unlike large corporations currently regulated by the SEC, farmers do not have teams of compliance officers or attorneys dedicated to handling SEC compliance issues. This could force farmers of all sizes but particularly those with small and medium-sized operations to report data that they may be unable to provide, which would result in a costly additional expense or a loss of business to larger farms. Farming in America and around the world is consolidating under government pressure and regulations with the world's food supply becoming increasingly concentrated in the hands of a smaller number of ultra-wealthy owners.
9: In 2020, Bill Gates made headlines for becoming the largest private farmland owner in the U.S. He had accumulated more than 269,000 acres of farmland across 18 states in less than a decade, shielding his purchase by buying up land through shell companies.
0: Bill Gates is just one of a number of super wealthy investors and global investment funds buying up farmland in America.
15: That's generally what these these massive Democrat policies do. They generally empower large corporations, large conglomerates and uh, disempower small businesses. That's what will happen with these kinds of regulations. You'll find that the only the large conglomerates, the huge corporations, can comply with these regulatory requirements and they'll put small farmers out of business.
6: Basically you're gutting the middle class by getting rid of small business. Those small businesses won't be able to keep up with ESG reporting. And so what that'll do is hollow out the middle leaving this kind of top-heavy system where there's an oligarchy on top and a kind of actually existing
5: socialism on the ground for the majority. From an economic perspective, this is going to radically decrease our material well-being, our levels of prosperity, Uh, but it's also even more dangerous, I think, from a political perspective, where instead of having multiple power centers that kind of keep each other in balance and in check, uh, they're all merging into
14: one monster. Do you really want Larry Fink and Jamie Dimon deciding what's good or bad for the world? That's what you've done. You've you've outsourced what should be your responsibility as a voter as I mean as a citizen to CEOs of companies. Nothing good has ever come out of doing that.
3: And when it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing when it's over will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less relying on fossil fuels.
0: This incredible transition that Biden speaks about has been painful, especially for those who struggle to pay the increasing costs. But we are told we will emerge in a better, cleaner place. Will we?
2: The idea is that renewables are better for the environment, but it turns out that they take three to 400 times more lands from solar panels than from a nuclear or natural gas plant. They require 17 times more steel and about the same amount more cement than does a nuclear plant. And then you're right, all of that additional materials becomes waste on the back end. The state of California has, for almost a decade, been figuring out what to do with all the used solar panels because as soon as you remove them from your roof, they become hazardous waste. It's about 300 times more waste from solar panels as from nuclear.
0: A report by the World Economic Forum states that to meet the Paris Accord's climate goals and limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. 100 million electric cars will have to be built by 2030. However, the report also notes that the production of lithium ion batteries for electric cars emits twice as much CO2 and uses double the amount of energy As building a gasoline-powered car. This creates what is called a carbon debt for electric vehicles. A carbon debt means that in countries like the US and Germany, the average person will have to drive an electric car for nine years or 80,000 miles to make up for the extra CO2 emissions that came from building it compared to a diesel-powered car and half as much for a gasoline-powered car. The report also states that battery production causes more environmental damage than carbon emissions alone. Dust, fumes, wastewater and other environmental impacts from cobalt mining in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, water shortage, and toxic spills from lithium mining in Latin America, a heavily polluted river due to nickel mining in Russia, and air pollution in northeastern China. The use of wind, solar, and electric cars reduces emissions in the places that use them, but increases emissions in countries like China that manufacture them. Are we doing nothing more than exporting CO2 emissions to China? And if the benefits to the environment are questionable, is ESG at least good for shareholders, for the people saving for retirement through 401ks and pension funds? A study in 2020 by the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College casts doubt on that as well the study found that while two-thirds of public pension funds invested for social or environmental goals esg investments reduce annual returns by 70 to 90 basis points some ceos have found that far from benefiting their company or their stock price political activism is not welcomed either by employees or customers. While some applauded the Walt Disney Company's activism in favor of sex education in elementary schools, a large number of its employees and customers were offended. The decision by Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, and Major League Baseball to fight against voter ID laws in Georgia also alienated a large number of their customers.
15: When Coca-Cola came out and opposed the Georgia voting law, and they also implemented a critical race theory HR policy internally at Coca-Cola. Uh, a poll came out shortly after that, showing that 37% of Americans said that they were less likely to buy Coke products after those positions were taken. Well, I'd love to have been at the board meeting <laughs> where the CEO comes in and explains to the board, uh, while all of a sudden 37% of Americans are not uh, interested or less interested in buying Coca-Cola products, Disney saw its stock drop like a rock. You know, people that had loved Disney for years are now refusing to go. And, and it's not because Disney has bad amusement parks. It's because, because Disney took unnecessarily and absurdly and ridiculously took and is taking positions that are alienating its customers.
0: PayPal is another activist company that is now facing a backlash for its political positions. As a strategic partner of the World Economic Forum, PayPal has taken a position against the firearms industry, refusing to provide payment services for gun-related purchases. It has also been accused of discriminating against conservative groups in general. In October, PayPal stock tumbled after news headlines revealed that it would start fining its users up to $2,500 for spreading misinformation and hate speech. In line with ESG goals, companies such as United Airlines announced racial and gender hiring quotas. The problem for United is that racial discrimination is illegal under the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Violating the law exposes these companies to prosecution and employee lawsuits. The way
16: the CSG is being implemented is in one realm after another, it's completely anti-democratic, which is to say they are just flouting laws, they're flouting democratically elected laws and bringing things about. Um, that are at least anti-democratic and often illegal. And that's a good example. It's been well known for decades, the quotas, Um, are uh, uh, illegal, but it goes well beyond that. When you start looking at things like the racial sensitivity training and all this sort of stuff that a lot of these places are doing, they're engaging pretty much in in rampant stereotyping, uh, negative stereotyping of certain uh, groups. Um, They are engaging in rampant preferences uh, for others. Um, All all of this runs um, pretty clearly up against existing civil rights
0: laws. CEOs that follow ESG principles may be steering their companies into dangerous waters.
16: Some lawsuits um, have been filed. Some people started looking at this. For example, uh, there was a shareholder action against uh, Coca-Cola um, when they had their sort of act less white campaign. Um, some activist shareholders filed a lawsuit and basically said when you do that you are risking." litigation you're risking liability for this uh, for this company and so you know just pretending like the laws don't apply to this situation aren't going to get you off the hook
8: BlackRock is not the worst offender in the industry I would actually tell you that probably we we're better than the average the issue is that the entire
2: system doesn't work and where BlackRock is culpable is that it's promoting a thesis that tells people that these products have social impact and I can't stress enough there is no evidence that any ESG ETF has any positive social impact that I've seen. There's no evidence that by buying a low carbon ETF, you are actually
0: going to
11: lower emissions.
0: If ESG is not succeeding in creating a cleaner, more peaceful, and prosperous world for all, if it is leading us to shortages and crises, why do our leaders continue to push it?
5: The totalitarians are are masters at this. Uh, They create policies that cause major problems and then they step in and pose as saviors who are gonna save us from the problems that they created.
10: Many countries argue, including Italy and France, that a gas price cap would be uh, very beneficial for Europe as it would bring down the price of gas uh, into the continent.
5: I think Venezuela is really the epitome of this. You had government policy causing huge shortages, causing massive inflation, right? They're printing currency like it's going out of style. Prices, of course, are skyrocketing. So now we need price controls. You can't sell a bag of rice for more than X number of bolivares. What happens then? There's no rice on the shelves. And so what happens is the government then seizes that as a pretext to create even more government, to take even more control, and also as a pretext to persecute enemies of the regime. So imagine what happened in Venezuela happening on a global scale, and I think you really get a sense of the vision that these predators uh, want to implement. So you follow these UN policies, you end up uh, creating massive shortages, and then the shortages are used to, first of all, create dependence. Right. Dependent people are much easier to control than independent people. And that goes back to the war on farming, too. I think that's one of the reasons they want to wipe out the independent producers. Independent people um, can say no. Right? Uh, people who are dependent on government, on mega corporations, do not have that ability. If your children are hungry, you'll be willing to give up just about anything, any freedom, any property. So
16: what we're dealing now with is excessive speculation, driving oil prices up, not supply and demand.
5: We're seeing the same thing in the united states too just not quite as large a scale but uh, for example the biden administration knocking out big parts of our energy supply and big parts of our energy infrastructure even our, our electricity generation under the guise of saving us from global warming they say oh look power prices are surging well now you can't afford your electricity well hey i have an idea let's expand the welfare system so that you can now afford your electricity and we see people like senator elizabeth warren and, and uh, bernie sanders saying that uh, the reason prices are going up is because evil capitalists are ripping you off. There's no
3: time for profiteering or price gouging. I want to be clear about what we'll not tolerate. These are big ARC increases that really hit a budget hard. This is the reason that we need Build Back Better.
0: As Americans, our right to speak freely is one of our most fundamental and cherished rights. The government cannot censor us. But can corporations take on this role on behalf of government?
10: We partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We Started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we'd googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science, and we think that the world, you know, should know it.
0: The drive to control speech goes beyond climate change, to include social and political views.
9: We're a nonpartisan grassroots organization founded by two moms. Uh, Tina and I both served as school board members, and we saw parents all across the country that wanted to advocate and make a difference in their community uh, that felt very alienated from their children's education, but didn't know how to get involved. And we decided to start Moms for Liberty. So in January of 2021, we launched this group, with two original chapters in our own hometowns and now we have 230 chapters in 40 states with over 100,000 active members across the country. First, I'd like to say that I I think we embrace what's best about social media and there have been wonderful parts of us engaging in social media. It's helped us to grow our membership tremendously and the age of information has allowed parents all over the country to, to talk to each other and to share their experiences and to learn from their advocacy in so many ways. Um, the unfortunate thing has been when social media has sought to quiet us uh, or to censor our, our information. So um, pretty early on in our existence, we, were, um, we have a lot of different chapters on Facebook, um, and some of those chapters were, started getting suspended. One chapter had just launched and had just set up a page the day before, and literally had only said, "This is when our school board meeting is. Please join us." And that chapter uh, was taken down. We have had a few issues with PayPal. In April, a good friend of our organization, a constitutional attorney, writes a blog uh, called "Coffee and COVID," and so he had done a an all call to his members to donate to us to help us. And so over the course of a very short span of time, a day and a half or so, two days, we had over 5,000 unique donations and about $125,000, $130,000 was donated to Moms for Liberty, which was just amazing because we started with $500 selling T-shirts out of a back bedroom. Immediately when that happened, PayPal froze the account and wouldn't let us access any of the funds that had been donated to us. It it seemed for a time that every time I would go on TV and do an interview and mention Moms for Liberty or try to direct people to the store or direct people to start a chapter uh, that our website would be attacked and it would go down.
12: Well, our tagline is fake news you can trust. We do news satire, so we're the most popular satire site on the internet at the moment. But yeah, we take we take a look at whatever the current events are, you know, the political figures of the day, the issues of the day, we satirize them. The tech industry, I, I would say probably the thing that they've done that makes it most difficult to do what we do is implement speech codes that have their ideology baked into them. Um, and I can give you a, a specific example. I mean, we, we are, we're currently locked out of our Twitter account because we made a joke about... Uh, This real-world story, USA Today had named Rachel Levine, who's this transgender health admiral in the Biden administration, USA Today had named Rachel Levine Woman of the Year, and we countered that with a satirical article saying Rachel Levine was our pick for Man of the Year, and Twitter has a policy against misgendering, they consider it hateful conduct, they consider that joke misgendering. But what they're doing there is they're essentially smuggling their ideology into their terms of service and saying that you have to only affirm these things. You can't deny these things. You have to affirm them or just stay silent. Well, one of the responsibilities that I think satirists have is to poke holes in a popular narrative. We're supposed to look at whatever the powers that be are trying to push on all of us and examine it and, and scrutinize it, hold it up to mockery. That's our job. We're actually prohibited from doing that because the powers that be that are putting these ideas down on you are working in concert with the big tech companies to make sure that you can't do that. You have to f- affirm these things. You can't even joke about them. So basically comedy is outlawed. We used to use MailChimp for our newsletter delivery. We got flagged for misinformation, sending misinformation. We were threatened with, you know, having our account suspended there. And you know, these are, jo- we're, we're a satire site. All of our stories are false because they're jokes. We had this other email platform and uh, they permanently uh, suspended us for violating their terms of service and wouldn't tell us why. You know when you have social media platforms you can build a huge following but you don't own your audience. They own your audience they're just giving you access to it. We can generate millions of followers on Facebook but we post things there now that they don't show to anybody. We've asked Facebook directly if if they've given us a low quality score because our, our articles no longer reach anyone. They used to go viral but they're not reaching any people anymore and they won't answer these questions transparently. The tech companies to some extent are just an arm of the people in positions of power in government. There is 98% ideological conformity amongst the employees at these companies. And they're, they're to some extent completely blind to the biases that they have. They just think they're doing what's good and right. but. From what, what what that ends up resulting in in practice is everyone who disagrees with them is banned for either hateful conduct or misinformation
10: a couple of the steps that we have, um, you know, that could be constructive for the public health uh, of the country are uh, providing uh, for, for Facebook or other platforms to measure and publicly share the impact of misinformation on their platform uh, and the audience it's reaching, uh, also with the public, with all of you, um, to create Robust enforcement strategies that bridge their properties and provide transparency about rules. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for providing misinformation out there. Taking faster action against harmful posts. As you all know, information travels quite quickly. If it's up there for days and days and days, when people see it, you know there's it's hard to put that back in a box and of course promoting quality information algorithms I don't know how they work but they all do know how they work um, so those are some of the steps that we uh, think could be constructive for public health for public information uh, for public uh, and you know the right of the public to know tech companies realize that the old threat
1: to their monopoly power used to come from the left in this country. And you know, the left was skeptical of the aggregation of corporate power. Citizens United in 2010, break up big tech. That was a left-wing slogan before it was a right-wing slogan. Okay, but what technology companies realized was that, you know what? We can actually protect our monopoly power if we advance the objectives of the people who view us as their enemies. So we'll censor content. We'll take down speech, hate speech, misinformation that you don't want to see on the internet, but we don't do it for free. We effectively expect that you look the other way to leave our monopoly power intact.
6: What they get is this possibility that knowing that the market is now rigged, you're not really mostly worried about customers or shareholders. Your primary concern is who, who has my back, and the state is that entity who will bail you out, if necessary, support your efforts and help you to get rid of competitors, as in the case of social media. Uh, We see the collusion going on between the federal government and and Facebook, Twitter, and so forth. These federal agencies put pressure on Facebook to censor uh, particular viewpoints. Those companies that reflect and reiterate state narratives will be rewarded, and those that don't will be punished.
10: judge giving the White House 21 days to turn over emails from officials including Dr. Tony Fauci and press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre that were sent to social media companies. It's all part of a lawsuit filed by attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana accusing the administration of colluding with big technology companies to censor information on Hunter Biden's laptop, COVID-19, free speech on elections, you name it, they censored it.
14: I believe this may be one of the biggest cases to reach the United States Supreme Court in this century. Why? Because if the government can compel media outlets on what they can and can't say and what the American public sees and doesn't see or reads and doesn't read, then we are absolutely in a tyrannical style government. This is one of the most important lawsuits
16: I think of of maybe our lifetime. The government has fought tooth and nail to prevent the public from finding out how they are pressuring private uh, social media companies. This has really just emerged in the last few weeks uh, as part of this litigation. And I think one of the reasons why there hasn't been as much litigation in the past is I, I just don't think people realized or didn't dawn on them the degree of, uh, of the, the bad behavior uh, by these companies and their collusion uh, with each other and the degree uh, to which the government um, has been leaning on them as well.
14: We know that the government doesn't have the ability to censor speech, especially political speech. And so they can't go out there and force these companies or compel these companies and, and they do so under duress because we know that they, they they regulate these companies. We know the power of the federal government. And look, what we found since then is that this reached into the the, the law enforcement arm of the federal government, the FBI and the Department of Justice. They're doing everything they can to scratch and claw and fight to keep us from getting any of this information. Uh, Remember, this is our government, supposedly. Um, And so, you know, the U.S. Department of Justice and Attorney General are claiming that there's some sort of privilege to the information that we're looking for. I would remind the U.S. Attorney General that there is no privilege for violating an American's First Amendment rights.
16: We see this uh, in these cases, in these cases where the government has leaned on these, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, these companies to censor speech that the government deems misinformation. Um, and it's pretty clear that they're not just um, suggesting, uh, that they're, they've got all kinds of regulatory tools and they've shown a willingness to use them. To uh, force their will on um, on private actors, um, and that's why this case is so important. Is we need to start taking this problem of the regulatory state seriously, um, and recognize that the that the old ideas of how we try to regulate government action. Um, may not be enough to, to, to understand the lawlessness and the abusiveness of the modern regulatory state.
0: While state AGs pursue legal remedies, a growing number of states have now introduced or passed laws against ideological investing of state pension money, effectively prohibiting ESG investments from public funds. In August, the state of Florida went one step further and took away the ability of asset managers to vote the shares owned by Florida pensioners and employees, as well as prohibiting political discrimination against employees. A public spat between a Disney corporation and Florida governor Ron DeSantis made headlines in April when Disney CEO Bob Chapek publicly fought against a Florida law that prohibits teaching of sexual topics to children in grades kindergarten through third grade. Disney's CEO, Bob Chapek, initially
4: noncommittal, saying after the governor signed the bill into law, our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by the legislature or struck
13: down in the courts. This state is governed by the interests of the people of the state of Florida. It is not based on the demands of california corporate executives
14: we don't vote on ceos we don't vote on some global uh, world forum this is the united states of america we intend to to elect through an election system through a democratic process people that go to congress or go to our state capitals we elect governors and presidents to basically execute the policies that are created in our capitals in a transparent manner, right? Remember, laws are created through a very transparent, open forum. We don't know what goes on in these corporate boardrooms. We don't know the background of these people. We don't know the underlying investments or the other kind of maybe nefarious activities that may, may be going on.
0: Other conservative states have joined in the effort to fight ESG, even as liberal states double down on their support for it. Wall Street giants like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, JP Morgan, Citibank, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley have become the subject of state efforts to stop discriminatory lending and ideological investing. West Virginia has been one of the leading states in this effort.
11: If we find a financial institution That is boycotting the fossil fuel industry they refuse to lend money or finance the fossil fuel industry just based on this greenhouse gas emission or climate pledge or what have you and in practice they're not lending to those industries not because of their finances uh, but because of their political views then they will be placed on the restricted financial institution list once on that list Their contracts are then canceled, they're terminated, and then they shall not and will not be able to bid on any future state contracts here in the state of West Virginia unless they change their tune.
0: In October, Missouri became the fifth state after Utah, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas to boycott BlackRock funds. As a result of actions like these, financial analyst UBS downgraded BlackRock's stock, citing its over-reliance on ESG ideology. In August, 19 state attorneys general sent a letter to BlackRock accusing the asset manager of pressuring companies to divest from fossil fuels. They stated, BlackRock has used citizens' assets to pressure companies to comply with international agreements such as the Paris Agreement that force the phase out of fossil fuels, increase energy prices, drive inflation, and weaken the national security of the United States. In response, BlackRock denied that it has used its influence to hurt oil and gas companies. BlackRock reiterated that companies that take a forward-looking position with respect to climate risk and its implications for the energy transition will generate better long-term financial outcomes. BlackRock said this is so because governments, representing over 90% of global GDP, have committed to move to net zero in the coming decades.
15: The political risks exist because they're creating the political risks on the other side of the movement. So you get the Chuck Schumers, the Bernie Sanders, to adopt a really aggressive anti-oil and gas agenda, well, then maybe there is risk. But if you don't create that risk, you don't try to ban the internal combustion engine, well, gasoline's a a good investment.
0: America's courts recently stepped into this conflict, pushing back against the expansion of the Biden administration into the private sector. In West Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court ruled that federal agencies could not force utilities to switch from fossil fuels to wind and solar. The courts ruled that race-based government grants that excluded white farmers and restaurant owners were illegal. The courts ruled that the Biden administration could not force private companies to fire employees for refusing the COVID vaccine.
15: A year ago, I was very pessimistic. Uh, I didn't think people were going to catch on to this. I thought it was more than people wanted to think about. Uh, turns out it's not. Turns out I was wrong. And it really has started to catch on, particularly in red states in the United States, Republican-run states are reacting very adversely to what BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard are trying to do and to what the government's trying to do.
11: We've seen the crack in the dam. We've seen BlackRock start to hedge. We've seen State Street and Vanguard start to hedge. They're all starting to hedge on this because they know that they're out of step with the American people, whether it's the banking sector, the asset managers, rating agencies, you name it, they're trying to achieve their left-wing goals um, through extra-legal means. And it really comes down to a basic question, if we don't stop this, do we still live in a uh, democratic constitutional republic, or are we living in a country where a group of uh, a cartel of corporations um, get to make all the decisions as it relates to the more moral and
1: policy questions of this country without any of us taking a single vote wherever you are on how you address racial inequity or global climate change these are enough important questions that we should resolve them through free speech and debate in the public square by putting people into public office who are accountable to the american electorate companies are not accountable Blackrock is not accountable. Larry Fink is not accountable. This is the heart of the question that was at issue in 1776, where we said for better or worse, citizens decide how to settle these common political questions through the political process where everyone's voice and vote counts equally. And the problem now is we've delegated those decisions to a group of technocratic, corporatocratic actors in the private sector to settle it through economic force instead without the backstop of public accountability without the backstop of public support.